0: Welcome to A pint with Shawnee B. This is one that I've been looking forward to and I don't know how it's going to go. I have a very interesting guest with me today. She is a dominatrix and she's also an an actress and a model and she does lots of different things. Very smart lady. Her name is Mistress Absolute. Mm -hmm. Tell me why you're called Mistress Absolute. Welcome to the podcast first. Thank you. How are you?
1: you? I'm well, yes. Good. You are going to ask me how I got my name. I was, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I actually went to my first ever fetish club quite a few years ago. Um, on my own, I was in a relationship that wasn't working out quite right. well. Got my first latex dress and had my crop. I was no, there was absolutely no doubt that I was in the dominant sphere. But um, well, What made you decide
0: to go to a fetish club? Like a, a relationship isn't working out, but did you just, had you always wanted to?
1: Well, I, there's Just lots of there's lots one. of pointers in my history. That, well, let's do that. let's, okay. get, let's actually <laughs> let's arrive at the end of yeah. why you're from. Okay. Where are you? Where are you from? And how does someone get into this? So, um, okay, so um, I have always been um, dominant. Um, I think all of my I've got some school reports that say my domineering and forthright. Personality unnerves the other students sometimes. Mm. So yes, I was quite impressed with that. Where were you born? Uh, down in Sussex. Okay. So, yes, um. And was
0: you, was it a, were you in a, a nice household of middle class was it or was uh, no, it was, kind was of it a tough?
1: Crazy household really because right. um, my dad's in the music business. So okay. I there were constantly and people in and out of the house and that I was meeting that were very creative um, right. and uh, yeah. quite crazy. Were um, you an only child? No, I got a brother. Okay. let him. <laughs> I say that because uh, one of the first one of the first pointers I think is to my profession, which um, my brother brings up on several occasions, um, is that I used to get my brother to close his eyes. We used to share bath water when we were kids, as yeah. most kids do. I used to get him to close his eyes and open his mouth, and then I'd put soap in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I so he was a younger brother, wasn't he? Yes. Yes. He, <laughs> <laughs> yes. he you know, kind of recounts this story with disgust. Um, but I would just get I just get him to do it again and again and again, and I'd be like, no, 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 you're going to put soap in my mouth. No, I'm not, no, I'm not. And convince him that I wasn't, yeah. and then do exactly the same thing. <laughs> so um, I think my, my, my narcissist week probably came out uh, then. And also, I think that because my parents would always talk to me like an adult, and I was hanging around with adults a lot, I, I probably matured a little bit more quickly than most kids do that, have, that are baby-talked to, so. Are your folks still together, like, are you? Yep, yeah. Yep. probably because my dad works away quite a lot. <laughs> 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 yeah, my, my dad's still working with the Liverpool, Paul McCartney thing to do, um, teaching stuff as well, oh, so okay, okay. Um, he's giving back to the community in that way.
0: So you were domineering, so like, difference between domineering and, say, a bully?
1: Yeah, there's, there's a fine line, and I think that some people do cross that, especially within the industry that I'm in today. Um, I went to a lot of different schools, which meant that I had to develop skills in order to get on with people Mm. um, and fit in quite easily. Um, And because I studied drama from a very early age, one of the exercises I had to do is sit on a park bench and watch people walk walk by and imagine what they did for a living, listen to people's conversations, figure out why they're walking that way, why they're dressed that way. And having to do that at a very early age I mean, I don't know if you get this, when, when, when someone walks into your space, if you don't know that much about them, mm. and you kind of make assumptions or you play games in your mind about some of the things they might say, I like to play the game to figure out whether or not somebody's submissive, if they are, what they're into, and what I do now is a lot about the psychology of it, of people and their sexuality and gender and, and how that's uh, performed. So so
0: in school you were doing drama from an early age. Yeah. And- So were you in trouble a lot in school?
1: Um, No, I think I just pushed boundaries. I mean, I think that going into different school environments, I went to a theatre school for a little while. That wasn't a great um, time for me. I kind of fell out of love with with the acting then, just because the industry is so vile. The magic of theatre was taken away from me. I spent quite a few years after that still going down the drama route, drama and dance, because that's what I knew, almost trying to find the essence of the love that I had for it, again, went all the way through to university, doing the dance and drama and creative side of things, just because I, I had no other idea. If you've got it set in your head from a, from the age of four or five, yeah. that's what you're going to do, and then all of a sudden that's taken away from you, it's like, oh my God, it's like losing your first love. <laughs> so You were
0: academically smart, though, as well, because I can I can tell you're very, you're, like, you're bright. You're bright. you good at all the other subjects as well?
1: Um, some of them, again, because I moved around a lot, it was really guided by how good the teacher was, um, yeah. and how interested I was in it. I get I get bored by stuff very easily yeah. if I'm not constantly entertained. We were
0: we were we're, we're not you're younger than me, but we were <laughs> we, it was before the old ADHD kicked in and we were all just hyperactive children. Yes, right? Yeah, that's me that's me. <laughs> we would have been put on writing immediately yeah, in, in today's yeah, yeah. age. But um, uh, and I'm glad we weren't, you know. Cause I,
1: I, yeah, there's, I, I think it's interesting how many kids are put on um, ADHD medication, especially mm. in the States because it's much more pokey. I have lots of friends actually who are ADHD, and we will have conversations that have well, seven different conversations at once. <laughs> and people are like, What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. I'm like, um. <laughs> we can balance all these plates, don't worry. Exactly, exactly. Spin them all at the same time.
0: It reminds me of a good joke how many uh, ADHD kids does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> go
1: Let's go cycle our bikes. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like me. I did have one of my subs once say in session, Mistress. You know what I love about sessioning with you is that I never know what's going to come next. Right. That's one of the pluses of having a Dom that's got ADHD because uh, I never know what's coming next either. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so and now I got distracted. <laughs> yeah, I know, this is what,
0: I'm enjoying this because we're we're wandering down a path of, to get to your name, but, but the academic we're at things, school now. Yeah. yeah.
1: I really, I always really enjoyed learning as long as it was, it was with uh, good teachers, and mm. I actually went back to study years ago. Now I did my masters mistress should own a master. Um, (laughs) I did my master's in uh, gender, sexuality, and culture, which was, um, I I still look back on it and wonder how the hell I was working, doing all the clubs, teaching, everything. Um, And I did my master's in one year. I think I was very tired. And then I started my PhD for two years, but unfortunately had to give that up for various reasons, which was a shame. But um, I've got quite a lot of research, which I might turn into a book at some point.
0: Did you have an idea what you wanted to do?
1: I knew I wanted to go to university. I wanted that experience. I went to Manchester Met. Okay. And uh, I got a little bit bored in my, Is my th- no, my second and my third year. Um, I went uh, to Ibiza and did a season after Ibiza. It was the beginning of the whole rave scene. Rave oh, scene. Yeah. Working for Absolute Peanuts, and then walking down to space in the morning, yeah. you know, having had no sleep from the night before, and yeah. going partying there, and then falling, having three or four hours sleep, and then, you know that kind of thing, um, which was an amazing experience. When you when you run out of money in Ibiza. That you have to find somewhere to, f- to get some money or yeah. you don't survive you know yeah, yeah, yeah. we so went it was
0: no- like, oh, over the whole summer you went you mm-hmm. say, right you yeah. were a wreck when you came back um or you got used to it yeah. you of get used yeah. to it i mean
1: also you know i was 19 at the time so mm-hmm. i had enough energy to be able to do that kind of mm-hmm. thing and sustain it so that that was an experience and then came back and in the third year i i i, kinda, I have to say i kind of lost interest in in the academic study that I was doing.
0: Oh, what, what were you studying? Creative arts. Okay. So Dance and drama. Right.
1: Um, but uh, yeah, so I stayed up in Manchester. Did all sorts of.
0: So we're hacienda time and all that. Yep. Now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. But the uh, so and I was also when I was in Manchester, I was working in a pub in Mosside, very traditional Irish bar mm. in Mosside. Right. Um, with the six. Those overseas
0: listeners, that's a very working class part of Manchester, right?
1: Well, it used to be a very dangerous part of Manchester. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not. I mean, it's, it's. I lived in a place called Wally Range. If I walked from my flat to the pub, it was probably about 10-15 minute walk. But I would never ever walk there. I would always drive because dangerous, it was yeah. too dangerous to yeah, yeah. to to, um, to walk. Especially after you know pubs kicking out and stuff, but the uh, the landlady was a like a sixty year old, been running this pub forever, yeah. moved over from Ireland. Yeah. Husband had died. She was like real, don't yeah. don't you do not mess with this lady. It took me ages to get A lot there was a lot of um um Irish patrons. It took me ages to get a hang of some of the accents. <laughs> I know, <laughs> we, we have the same problem at home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, getting used to the accents, yeah. having to take the phone off the hook when the prostitutes came in so they couldn't use the phone, and right. the Sundays with. The traditional Irish singer and weepy the... ballads. Yeah, yeah. I can't say that it's my favourite no, music no. genre <laughs> to be honest. Um, but again, a great experience yeah. and, and kept me entertained for a while. Right. So I did various kind of jobs. I did the bar job um, and um, I was also working for a children's theatre company booking tours. Were I've... you
0: always very positive, or were you getting down, or did you did you get lost about what I don't know what I'm going to do? Or... I was pretty
1: lost at that yeah. point. I think I think that it's very easy to get lost if you don't have felt like a train coming up the track rather than a light like at the end of the tunnel right, okay, honest. It, was, okay. it was just like what, what am I going to do I, You know, a friend of mine was working in recruitment and I'd done some sales for British Telecom at that point and um, I moved down to London got a job in um, as a lot of people do who don't know what the hell they're going to do media sales
0: right, yes. <laughs> is there any media that needs selling
1: yes <laughs> yeah exactly so but, this
0: was a move into normality nine to five yeah. Wearing a suit and having, yeah, flats to walk home in and all that yeah. sort of stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: you, know, you you have to go out on the piss with well, know, true, with the media true. Yeah, people and it, yeah, it's better than so working in a bank, for example. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. So moved down here, did the basic, boring, job media sales, um, and but was this stabilising for you a bit? Yeah, it was. I, I was in a relationship at the time where I was getting. I, I think I was doing everything I thought I had to do in life because I was like, well, if I'm not going to do that, then I need to do the career and the, the the house and the you know relationship and everything. After a few years of that, and then I moved into media recruitment.
0: No, I see you good at that,
1: especially
0: uh, yeah. in that business. Like, okay? you know, you, you
1: yeah, you have I mean, you have to you know yeah. go and pushy and oh, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 and uh, that was. It. I I got to the point where I had the house and I had the cats and I had. The thing and i was like oh my god is this it is this all mm. my, is this all my life is gonna be because if it is i actually want to check out really I mean, nice. i'm just not i'm just i can't do this for the rest of my life Did you suffer from depression i do suffer from from depression yeah right. um i think a lot of creative people do yeah uh the ups and downs the ping-ponging and I, I i manage that much better now and i think as you yeah. get older you do you find yeah. ways of uh, managing it do you, do you suffer from depression as well though?
0: i haven't suffered from depression touch wood luckily but i'm surprised that i haven't you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, i'm like yeah wary of it and i'm very I, I i used to do advertising for brands that, that help, us so i mm-hmm. did study it a lot mm-hmm. and uh, you know the, the irish answer to depression is you have a cup of tea grand you know <laughs> well, or a <laughs> couple of drinks exactly uh, and so I'm very empathetic with people who have and, you know, and the more we destigmatize it and the more we yeah. make it, people feel comfortable talking about it there's, a, there's, there's so many people in this area that have all this kind of ups and downs and that's what part of life is. Yeah. And it shouldn't be something to be afraid of.
1: I know that there are some people who are very open and very... Talkative about their mental health, but No, oh, we don't I, have to keep it on. Here no, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Honestly, I, it, it, I really, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very open person. It's mm. like, in fact, my logo is a big A that has uh, a and progress, which is truth and honesty. That's the foundation of everything that I do because I really yeah. don't like the kind of subterfuge that, yeah. that people have in their lives. But uh, yeah, I think, I think that's why I keep myself entertained with things and. Did you,
0: did you get bored with, in relationships because you were saying if this is all it is there's got to be something more does that include the guy or does that
1: in, just yeah, include I mean, he was, the, the guy that I was with at the time was a lovely I mean he was a lovely guy he was a lovely guy and there was, there was nice nice yeah <laughs> he ended up marrying a school teacher I left that house and that environment and went on another journey because I knew that I was never going to be the person that had the kids and the yeah. state that, and I wouldn't, I would not be happy like that at all.
0: Well, I made a decision um, when I was seventeen to not have kids and not get married.
1: I decided when I was thirteen. <laughs> I told why my mother. Why did you decide that? I just, did, I don't know. Okay, why did you decide? I, just, I decided. You... <laughs>
0: I decided because I didn't particularly enjoy my own childhood, mm-hmm. and I also didn't want to repeat things. And I also, I started work at eighteen in advertising. But I saw marriages around me that were people cheating and they were falling yep. apart, and I was kind of going, "I'd be probably like that if I got married." But I stuck to it, and I look back at fifth and fifty in July. I look back and I go, "That was a very smart move." I
1: think for women, it's quite difficult. As it well, is, yeah. But well, you're um, biologically <clears throat> no. I've never had. I've never had that.
0: That you you'll never tweet. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No. No. No.
1: I mean, I love children. Couldn't eat a whole one. Um, <laughs> They're mom, also mom, fucking expensive. They are expensive. Yeah. I, I just I don't understand this lure for children. Yeah. Um, for that, you know, that those golden three or four years where they're very cute. Yeah, and, um, I totally
0: agree. Either side, between the sort of about, but I don't know what age they wipe their arse, but say five, five to twelve, where they, you're the god in their life, yeah. and they're great. And Either they're side funny. of that, they hate you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I,
1: I, I totally agree. The doming and the, the events and the performances and the teaching and everything feeds a little part of my ego, and I think if I didn't have that. Drama of it and the performance of it all, I would feel that loss. Of it. But if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, one of the things I did think about doing, which I couldn't do now because of what I do, would be fostering children. Ah,
0: right, okay. I, like I find it a vanity. There's a vanity attached to having kids that I've troubled with yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Primarily because there is thousands of children in the world who don't have a parent, yeah. and I mean, I'd, I'd love if everyone who had one would also take one from you know from an orphanage somewhere mm-hmm. in Asia and bring them up. Together as brother and sister, yeah. But no, oh, we'd make a lovely kid. No, you fucking wouldn't. You yeah. know the miracle of birth. Yeah, yeah. Happens. Well,
1: it, it is. So, it time. is very. It is very egocentric. It is. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I must. But we're the ones
0: who were told we're selfish. Oh, you're very selfish for not having kids. <laughs> what? Yeah. No, I'm, just no. I'm more of an anti-natalist. There's a whole thing called. <laughs> There's a cream
1: <laughs> a- for that. A N T I, not A N T E.
0: But like basically, that that actually to bring a child into the world today is actually ethically questionable. Mm. given the suffering that they will have and the suffering they will impose on other people on the planet. There's a whole philosophy there, that, yeah. you could, that you know, people, oh don't be so stupid, look at little Johnny and all this kind of
1: stuff. I'm also too selfish, I know that, I know well, that. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I wanted to go well. the yeah, but I see I don't things.
0: think that's selfish. It's, uh, you could also call it self-aware. Yeah, My- you know?
1: mindfulness. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, no, no, I mean, yeah. this
0: is the life I want to live and actually not bringing a kid along is a good thing. Given what I want to do, yep. you know what I mean? Because yep. a kid being t- t- tagged along, it's not right, you know? Let,
1: let them be with the school teacher or whatever, you know? Yeah, there have been times in my life where I've gone, hmm, is this what I, is, should i be, should I be having kids? Do mm. I want kids? The, that time in your life. But yeah, well, you your have your to make have. a decision as well. I, a, yeah, mm. I mean, I take my friends one picture. Show me one picture of the kid. I'll go ah, oh, and that's it. Yeah. Then I'm done. I don't want to see yeah. fourteen hundred pictures yeah, of the child same,
0: same, same. All your dogs. And I've got cat. godchildren <laughs> who I love. Give
1: them back. Yeah,
0: and, and, but I'm also like a bit of a weird pirate, and like, they, you know, they go, oh, "What's he up to now?" You know. So sort of well, I give them a different, I suppose, spin on their life and their parents do. But anyway,
1: the the girl that I went to Ibiza with, her, she's got three kids now, and. um when she had first had her two boys, I went to go and visit her, visit her, and then it was about a year and a half later I went back again. The the younger of the kids came running through, going, "Mummy, Mummy, it's the crazy lady!" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, brilliant." I don't Out of the mouth babes. of babes. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yes.
0: So you're in London. You've decided to. This is the relationship is not working. Yeah. You're gonna get into something else. Tell me what happens then.
1: So I love reading autobiographies, mm-hmm. um, and I, read a, I, I picked up an autobiography from Waterstones that um, uh, was the autobiography of a dominatrix, and I had always thought a dominatrix, as a lot of people do, is about being a prostitute with a whip, and so reading this book, I'm like, <gasps> wow, and l- luckily the person who'd, who'd written the book was quite a traditionalist in, in, in a sense, Of how she performed this role as a dominatrix. And so when I got back to the UK, I Google searched her and I found her and I emailed her. So she was working with a company at the time, a fetish club, and she said, Well, why don't you come along and meet some people, experience it? I'm doing some, helping with the marketing for this club. I was like, On it, doing it right. So I went and got my dress and, you know, got got myself together. And I've been doing some performance stuff with a company. In Manchester um, and around Leeds, and reminds me of my favourite joke. Actually, why is Leeds the drug capital of the world? Dunno. LSD in two E's. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty Brilliant. good. There you go. That's two good jokes
0: for this
1: podcast.
0: Two hundred percent better than excellent. most podcasts. <laughs>
1: um, so, the, and because I've been doing the performance stuff, I've been doing. Um, it wasn't quite right. I knew it wasn't something I wanted to, to do. I could see myself getting very bored with that quickly. Well, I don't really want to be walking around on stilts in a club for the rest of my life. <laughs> and so, uh, went down to this this club. At the time, I was still with the boyfriend, mm-hmm. the, with the house and the cats and everything. And um, I had a Kodak moment. When I say a Kodak moment, they're the defining moments where your life pivots.
0: Yeah, um, this is where I was trying to get to. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: do you, do you, not, not necessarily. Really if like you remember, to get you started to. here. And so I'm standing there, looking in the mirror in, in my lovely little end of the terrace, three bedroom. House. I had a latex dress on and oh, a pink wig and crop and spike boots and my boyfriend at the time came upstairs reading a newspaper. I went, "What do you think?" Because he knew I was he knew, knew I was going to go and do this. He was like, "Yeah, whatever makes you happy." It's very sweet, but you know. And he looked at me and he looked up at his newspaper and went, "Very nice," and walked off back downstairs again. And I was like. <laughs> uh, Wait a minute, <laughs> and that, that that moment, I was just like, okay, this is this is not a relationship that I can, that that I'm actually I'm actually in a relationship, really. Yeah. Or, that reaction was just so.
0: Has you got at that boyfriend girlfriend stage where it was like sex once a week and you know It
1: was more to do with the fact that he was very anti anti social. I, mean, I was I was going out on my own yeah. because he didn't want to go out, or we'd been invited over to friends, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, I'm not feeling well," and I yeah. had to cancel for the third time, and make up some excuse, yeah. and I felt like, "Well, I might as well I might as well be single." We're living two separate lives, yeah. and as hard as I was trying to work to make to make it work, mm. the, it wasn't it wasn't a partnership, it wasn't a relationship, no, yeah, yeah. Um, or not. And actually,
0: a lot of people in life, on both ends of that equation they stick around for far too long and within marriages relationships that are just you only get one chance and the faster you can understand both of you mm-hmm. you know and it's, as you said it's about honesty just yeah. say, this is not really working yeah and people are afraid to be single and they're afraid to be on their own it's like crazy anyway sorry for no interrupting no no. no. i
1: mean he, he I, he's one of the few exes that i don't talk to anymore right. he said that he could never forgive me for basically leaving him Right. which is fair enough I mean you know I I did turn his world upside down but I couldn't stay in that for him You well, did him a favour I did do him a favour yeah. but obviously at the time that's not No yeah, I get it You broke his heart I broke his heart yeah I, I did break his heart but my heart was already broken anyway because mm-hmm. I, I'd already got to the point where I'd realised that this was not working and mm-hmm. but I knew that but it was such a momentous task to
0: Unravel un-
1: Unravel everything yeah. I mean Marriage is one thing, but joint bank accounts and mm. cats and, and all that kind of yeah. thing, It's it, that's why people stay, because it's, it's very yeah. hard to untangle yeah. yourself. It's well, it is really easier
0: wonderful. when you're not married, though, because you can fucking walk out the door. You can, you know? but then
1: if you've got a mortgage and you've got know, joint know, bank know, accounts and all that, that kind of that, stuff, you, that's you have that's kind of all being the practical married, stuff. <laughs> that's what I would call yeah, being married. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep um, everything
0: separate. And, yeah. It um, also keeps you on your toes, I think.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, I'm
0: intrigued with the, you know, you got the whip and the pink hair. You, so was there a fetish... Gap in your, you know, sexual desire that you felt was being unfulfilled. What, like, you read this book on holiday and yeah. you, just, you were immediately drawn to this world.
1: Yeah, I think the alternative side of it—the fact that it was something left of center, the psychology, the drama of it—it's one of the things I've been talking about with some of the female empowerment groups that I uh, do panels with as well. Mm-hmm. Is this the power of being a sexual being without actually? having to go out and have sex with everybody. This goes back to kind of the, the mis- misconception of what I do for a living. I do not offer any happy endings. I do not have sex with my clients. Yeah. I do not offer them hand jobs, blow jobs. Yeah. If that's part of their session, then I might time them whilst they're, you know, got their yeah. cock in their hand, which obviously <laughs> might might put them off slightly. 10, nine, eight, no yeah. pressure. Yeah. Six, five, <laughs> you know. um, So the direction I come at, the whole dominatrix thing is is very much from a femdom point of view mm-hmm. is that the beauty of a woman the goddess the, the person that should be put on the pedestal mm. the nurturing side of it which I know is weird with me not wanting children uh, No, but I get that yeah. But it does have, and, and, I, and again that's the misconception and the thing that I try and get across when I'm teaching people um, And it's not all men, right? It's not, it's not all men um, No, I do see women as well and I see mm-hmm. couples but uh, the majority there's more more men who, as the same yeah. in any kind of sex yeah. industry. You know, there's, there's more men who want to be dominated than there are oh. women because women can't find it easier to get it in. Um, in their Why do you think that is? Well, in the states, it's not. <laughs> there are more there are more female subs in the states. Traditionally, you go into a club and the in the UK, it's about seventy percent female doms and forty percent male doms. Right. But in the states, it's actually really? the other way. Yeah.
0: But there's a, there's a sort of a this is sort of a 58 year old conservative mp image in my head mm-hmm. of, of who wants to be spanked and treated like a mole boy. And it's actually quite British that, right? It's very British, yes.
1: Where's is, is that public school humiliation? Where's it coming from? I just think that those are the people that could afford it for a start. <laughs> it's well, not a poor man's game yeah. this stuff, you
0: know? No, I know, but like politicians aren't I'm, I'm sorry for using politicians as an example, no, yeah, but you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. There's always like a scandal and I guess they get caught because they're in the more in the yeah. public eye and everyone's like the, the newspapers are all after. But I'm intrigued that the origins, because we, we, we also have major problems with men doing the opposite, treating women terribly, mm. and, and in, in the years you've been doing do you have a theory on on where this...
1: Of course I do. As, as I like to say, everyone is entitled to my opinion. Mm. Um, <laughs> everybody has kink, or when you say sex, it's, that's yes. a very wide-ranging yes. word. Most people have a kink. Mm-hmm. There is actually a very small proportion of the, of the population that just get off on missionary sex you know that, that even if it's high heels or somebody likes eyelash extensions and uh, the, everyone has a, a, a taste so yeah. like a kink is not necessarily a kink it's really just it's your, it's your taste um, and a lot of people's kink I think actually starts when the person becomes a sexual being but doesn't know what one is what I mean by that is we'll take the, the school teacher kind of scenario for an example when you're a young boy and you're sitting at a desk and you're fidgeting because you've got ADHD yeah. and then your trouser rubs on your cock and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you know. As we know, most, uh, under six, kids fiddle with themselves yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, although it's shamed a lot, which I think is, is a guess yeah. shame. At that particular point, the teacher walks past on her, with her clunky heels past you. So that noise is then linked into your head as a trigger. So the next time she walks past, or, or he, whatever, you remember that moment and then you remember that moment yeah. down there, and then those two are intrinsically linked. As with anything, memories, um, experiences, all take a different pathway and get uh, linked with something else, something else. So it can get very, you know, the pathway from from the start of that bit sitting in your desk could end up as uh, something very, very different along along the line because of the memories and because the next time you you heard the clunky shoes, you were actually I don't know in mean, ASDA. And you suddenly have an Asda fetish. You know.
0: <laughs> well, you know, in Ireland, we have also the church uh, coming in strong here because the whole idea that, you know, when I was going, I was bet into it. Yeah, bet into was that sex was a sin mm-hmm. and you procreation only and no one should be having fun with it. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to confession and there's a priest asking you how holy purity is Weird. Now, that that's also weird, and you end up it being is. churched and shamed, and it's it, it is about shame. You know,
1: but then, but then shame can be a fetish in itself. Yeah, because that feeling. That embarrassment feeling, yeah. where your face flushes and your stomach turns, yeah. is very, very similar to the flip of like being excited.
0: Yes, yes. No, I get it. And
1: and yeah. you get you get that pumping around of the of the dolphins and the adrenaline. So that's your grey line which yeah. you can cross over sometimes.
0: And sinning.
1: And sinning. Well, no. it's good. It's yeah. great to be bad, isn't it? Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. you get the, the excitement the first time. You know, you ever...
0: And being extremely naughty now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you get that, that yeah the shoplifting thing is a good one, yeah. But you
1: get adrenaline People who do don't
0: need to do it. That's, yeah. yeah. It's for a complete reason. It, yeah. it's,
1: it's for the kicks of the adrenaline and the endorphins. Mm-hmm. So And getting
0: caught and getting punished. Yeah, Here we so, go. Exactly, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. All the way along
1: the line. I think that the UK educational system is so screwed in not informing kids about sex and sexuality. Yeah, And, same back and the emotional uh, responsibility that, that, that's involved in that, not just the mechanics of it, a great example of that is is the amount of priests who were, were put into priesthood before yeah. any kind of sex education before they'd even had uh, probably primed before even even through puberty yeah. to them that that's just something that happened it wasn't you know, because they were decided to be a pedophile
0: well I, I've talked about this on a previous podcast and it was like and it's kind of a, I did a little comedy bit about it which was that you know the, the, the when you were a kid you'd, you'd say how do I know if I'm going to be a priest and the, and the priest that's teaching you religious education would say you'll you'll receive a sign from God. And actually my theory is that the sign that these kids got was a lack of interest in women. Mm. And so unbeknownst to itself, the Catholic Church were hoovering up, I like using that word, were <laughs> hoovering up all the gay men in Ireland when gay wasn't a thing yeah. into the priesthood. Because when they did interfere and Tens of thousands of kids. I keep saying this because everyone in Ireland always was a really small number. No, it's tens of thousands yeah, yeah. of mainly boys. Yeah. Not girls mm-hmm. were abused, and that's the fact that possibly huge numbers of homosexual men joined the priesthood, thinking the sign from God was celibacy. I can do celibacy. But
1: also, that there is a natural release that has to happen. If you're a nineteen-year-old going into priesthood, you're going to have the urge to bang one out. Yeah. If you're told that women are not available to you, yeah, then you're going to start making links to thwacking to... each other with towels in the shower, yeah, in the seminary. I mean, when you're not <laughs> when you're not when you're not educated about these things, when everything's very cloak and dagger. I mean, growing up growing up as a as a being a teenager is confusing enough as it is. Yes without having misinformation and no information.
0: Mm. like the idea, I also said in a previous podcast, the idea that a woman was supposed to enjoy sex, I was in, in my late teens before I even began, began to even think
1: that this yeah. was a thing, you know? And it was that's deeply fucked up. So the other fucked up thing for teenagers today is the only information that porn. they have is porn. Yeah. And porn now, because it's got more and more violent, Yes, I know that, that some ladies have the kink of having a cock shoved down their throats and going...
0: Yeah, come all over their face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
1: if that's the only resource yeah. that you have as, as a teenager, then you're going to think that that is the norm. Yeah. Something I was talking to, was it an article I was reading, a boy going to a teacher absolutely in bits because his girlfriend had asked him, you know, they wanted to go a bit further, and he didn't want... He, in his head, he thought that he basically had to be violent. That's what he, you know, when she had asked him, you know, should we go a little further, he didn't want to have that kind of sexual experience. Mm-hmm. And that's all he thought that, that, that sex was about. Mm-hmm. It was about, you know, bending her over a table and shoving the cock down. The head. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not discounting that as being something that some people like. That's fine. Yeah. But no, I, I, I think it's going to,
0: excuse the pun, come to a head because it, 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 <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, it is one of those things many things that technology is bringing that's creeping and we don't do anything about it, you know, the the big one being robot overlords. But, you know, mm. that there's a thing here that's going on with education of kids, sex education, mm. that's leading to a rape culture, misogynistic culture, toxic masculinity culture, all of this kind of Which stuff. Which
1: is all linked with the fear of actually offending a child in a, in a classroom who may have a different religious upbringing. Also, oh, yeah, which yeah. drives me nuts. Yeah, I was actually doing a, um, a panel with a, a lady who is a journalist. Kind of expect one of the things that is a revelation to a lot of people is that if you're an Arabic lady, you can actually divorce your husband if he's not satisfying you sexually. Mm-hmm. Which is people are like, What? So, there's misinformation.
0: Is that a thing though? I haven't heard of it much. Does okay. it happen much?
1: Uh, yeah,
0: or do they get stoned just after they say, no, no, the no, 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 no. <laughs> Apologies to Islamic
1: people. Um, no, the, the, there are...
0: i sorry, I did not know that, is my yeah. point, And I, d- I haven't heard of it much. Mm.
1: It's the same within um, the... I believe it's the same within
0: the Jewish religion as well. That's a, it's the same in any... Like, yeah. you, you can go, I'm divorcing <laughs> you, why? Because you're not satisfying me. Boy, as it should be. Um, so we have the porn thing, we have... We have mm. Just this sense that kids, boys, that they're just not getting the grounding in matters sexual properly and correctly and 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 something's got to change there
1: again you know we're talking about shame and sexuality and stuff and I thoroughly enjoy building a relationship with somebody who has a particular quirk or kink that that most people are not not disgusted by but I'm sure some people would be disgusted by it but being able to release that part of somebody gives them an amazing freedom so I have about five or six Boys who uh, are collared to me, and when I say collared to me, it takes me a year and a half of service to earn their collar and then they're allowed to wear a tag and their name on it and my name on it and my logo on it. Mm. If they uh, are able to, after five years, they're allowed to have a tattoo with either my my initial or one of my boys has got the word absolute Tory down his leg. Then after seven years, if they live that long, do. Um, <laughs> then they're allowed of branding so right. there's that there's that sense of belonging yeah. but for me there's also a sense of nurturing the people that are in my stable one of my long standing boys who I call my tortoise slave because if you looked at him you would never guess that he would be the one that, that would have ended up being able to stay that I haven't already dismissed and gone like go away uh, the first two years he was with me I got him to lose I think he lost about four stone he was eating microwave meals, there's a lot of single guys do. Um, So I sent him to a cooking course Mm. and that's actually a benefit for me as well because I wanted him to learn how to cook vegetarian Mm. food for Mm. me. For you. Um, There's there's, there's always a benefit to me. I sent him on a a massage massage course so he could massage my feet properly which also gave him confidence and then taking him to events and getting him to, pushing him outside of his comfort zone has been very very beneficial to him and brought him out of his shell. He's done things that he would never have done by, by himself. Mm. You know, the fact that I'm going, right, we're going, we're off to Barcelona and you're going to be on the polishing station polishing fetish models right. with lube. <laughs> Awful job.
0: <laughs> so first of all, you mentioned earlier, and I agree, you, you can't do this properly if you don't have money.
1: Well, yeah, that's... Do you know what like, I mean, like as a guy? To, it used to be the case, it used to be the case. It's so much more open now and people mm. are engaging in it in lots of different ways thanks to Fifty Shades of Peace. That whole book phenomenon was a double-edged sword really. It did open up to a lot of people but by the same token it was probably the worst example ever. My generation grew up with Julia Roberts, meeting a millionaire, glamorising the whole prostitution thing. I'm sure there were a lot of very disappointed girls who kind of thought, right, well, yeah, that's fine, I'm going to meet my millionaire, and yeah. they're still sitting there at the age of 50 going, yeah. oh, no, or maybe not. The way that that was presented and the lack of consent that went on within that book was not a particularly good example. I think... I think it was mainly it was a female
0: read, right? On a Kindle.
1: Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, oh, oh, secretly. Is
0: there a type, though? Like, I picture people who are maybe not confident or people who are wearing a facade of confidence. Is there this asymmetry that's going on with the sorts of people that tend to want to be enslaved?
1: It's right across the board. Okay. I mean, I've got... Again, your point shy... is it's
0: down to the something that happened early and they, they're, they're trying to relive? or
1: it kind of comes down to the the essence of your self in terms mm. of your gender, your sexuality, and that's flexible. And All I right. think that's one of the, one of the good things that's, that started to be accepted more. Yeah, I love that. Is, yeah. the, is that there is a flexibility in, in how we as as human beings can be a sexual person um, throughout our lives. The same way that, you know, you're not necessarily reading the same literature that you read when you were 15. You mm-hmm. know, you, things, yeah, yeah. things develop, taste change, yeah. change. People get bored of stuff as well.
0: Yeah. Like what percentage would you say is titillation versus somebody with a really, you know, serious, not serious but like a really determined so, so it's titillation stroke entertainment yeah, versus I mean, actually I I need to do this in order to
1: in order to feel live in order to live the, the people that have a real a real sense of submission a real sense of wanting to serve wanting to give and not necessarily in a BdSM way I mean if, you know that that's probably about 30 40 percent for some, it's just something new. It's like, Try you know, it, move so on. right, done the Great War of China. Yeah, tick, exactly. Done the of Picture. Check, check. You know, see you. So, so
0: you're, so you were in this club. Let's get back on the timeline. Yeah, line. sorry. <laughs> and now you've, you've said I'm interested in doing this. Are we were you also interested in Alistair Crowley and all yeah. these guys and Mark yeah, yeah. and all that? Yeah, kind
1: of. I think that you know that. Well, it's, it's the extremes of life, isn't it? It's yeah. where It's where the boundaries are. It's where the edges are. one of the things I find fascinating is when people come in and they. See, it's one of the thrills of, of actually being a professional Dom rather than just a lifestyle Dom is that I have to think on my feet, where I've got somebody in front of me, I mean they've given up, the way that I work is someone will contact me and if my interests align with theirs, what their hard limits are, although I have a talent for finding people's hard limits that they never knew they had. <laughs> um, <laughs> and how much is a session, a couple hundred quid or something? Yes, yeah, this is going to sound like it's loads of money. I charge I'm i 200- not sure
0: how I knew that. <laughs> Anyone listening, I was I just it a guess.
1: You might, might have been on my website. Um, yes, I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> um, it, I charge £200 an hour. They come in, I don't rush my sessions. I set out my rules. I make sure that there is a safe word, which I don't care if somebody says, Mistress, I don't want a safe word. Safe word is not for them, it's for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need to know that someone can communicate with me if they're in trouble.
0: Is I, uncle the most used word? Uncle? Yeah. No. That's the joke one, though, right? Uncle,
1: yeah, well, um, no, the, the joke one is the guy who goes to Amsterdam and has the safe word, which is like a million oh, long, really? long, and he's trying to say the safe word, he's that trying to find in it. in Wales. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Now, I use, I use red as a safe word. Then I also have amber as well. That's just if someone's new and they just they just need a little bit of control, uh, just be able to keep, like time out. And then we start the session. and. There are, other, there are other ways that it works. If someone wants to go straight into it, then we'll have the conversation beforehand and whatever mm. if it's a role-play sort of scenario. But so there's also so that £200 for the hour. If I've got my, oh, get my equipment under there. I've got disposables. I've got um, my, my website, the time it takes for them to get in, session, shower afterwards. Yeah. So actually that's like two hours yeah. pretty much in, to, in total. Obviously you don't session all the time. It can be incredibly emotionally... And physically draining. Draining, yeah, I bet. Um, because you are. I mean, I joke with people who don't know what I do for a living. If I'm in a an environment where I really can't be bothered to go through the same questions as, as I normally get asked, I just say I'm a psychodrama therapist. <laughs> we just got kind of not a go, lie.
0: So you you went to this place. You dressed up. Mm-hmm. How how quickly then did it get to the point where you were a full time, Dom? Did you did it
1: bite you? It totally. Um, and a lot of people say when they first go to their first fetish club, if if it's really something that interests them. It's like you're coming home. Wow! Um, I within fifteen minutes of being in the space, I was giving somebody a caning. <laughs> so it was like and, and enjoying it and enjoying it, and it came yeah. very naturally to me. People were asking me where I worked from and yeah. all that sort of thing. I did. I hadn't given myself a, a mistress name when I arrived at the yeah. at the club. I want, I knew I wanted something that meant the epitome, the the the, the best, uh, the absolute. Yeah. And um, I was talking to a guy at the bar. Who well, has a very interesting kink that I do not engage in. He called himself Dr. Lou. Right. Okay. Um, and he's like, Scatological. Yeah. So like, yeah, like, you should really try it. And I knew, I knew my light, where my lines in the sand yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some things that I that I didn't think I was going to enjoy that I was happy to try, but that was something that I don't, I don't find that elegant. I like the elegance of uh, the elegance of the fun part of it. I just, for me, and you know, I just don't really want to be having on demand, frankly. <laughs> so I was having this discussion with him, and I had no way of getting back from, from this club, because the trains didn't start for like two hours after the club finished. Um, and you didn't know, you went on your own, right? I went on my own, yeah. Wow. Yeah. When I look back at it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, did I really? Um, yeah. But when, I, when I've got my mind set on something, you know, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm gonna do it, you know? What's the worst that could happen?
0: Uh, <laughs> probably a few things like yeah yeah okay
1: <laughs> but with, with, with a well, lot then you go home to suburbia and say morning morning kind and of, I was like, Great. Kind of yeah, yeah i mean the that the, has a lot of things in life you don't necessarily think of all the ramifications because if you did you'd never do anything would you mm. You wouldn't get out of bed in the morning if you thought about all the things that could happen through you through throughout the day but this guy in the club he gave me a lift home and he was very lovely he was very Again, I, I actually really, now, I mean, this is one of the things I say to people when they go about fetish clubbing is don't think that everybody is great. Don't don't take those kind of risks. But I think I was at a place where I was taking risks because I just needed to find something that was not where I was then. So um, he texted me a, a list of different names. One of them, there was a few obvious ones, like, you know, Scarlet. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, no. no. But especially when you do like a Google search, there's like 55 million Scar- Mr. Mm-hmm. Scarlets that, that are out there. The other one that I thought I could possibly use was purdy because my mum nearly called me purdy um avengers yes the whole avengers kind of thing it wasn't quite right my real name is uh it was too soft and then and he had the only uh, absolute as one of them and i was like that's it now yeah things i didn't realize at the time is obviously i come up on listings first because i'm I'm A A, B. (laughs) so i'm not um mistress aaa yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) but um so that that's an advantage as well and because it was something that nobody else had. And if you look at the dictionary def- definition of it, the word, I actually have that on the flip side of my business cards, the de- dictionary definition of the word absolute and, and what it means. And that's kind of what I projected to, to, to be as a job. So. How
0: quickly then did you understand, so from this, this experience, how quickly then before it was your business?
1: Because I was still doing the corporate stuff and then I got made redundant. So uh, what, uh, there was this point where I had no house, no boyfriend, no job, um, which was terrifying and yet totally liberating at the same time. Yeah. The fear, the anxiety that I was having about going through this whole thing was that it was such a momentous journey to get from all of this stuff that was I was entangled with that I I couldn't see how I could get out of, and then I was suddenly free and and, and possibilities are, are, are were limitless at that point. Mm. Um, I think people do get very bogged down with their day-to-day earnings, you know, the fact mm. that they don't have the freedom to be able to take that chance or mm. whatever. So I, I was in a position where because i sold my house, so I had a little bit of, little bit of financial freedom, mm-hmm. um, so I could take the chance and, and do that kind of stuff. And I was, so I started going back to the club that was now in a different venue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was house doming in this club, and then I was also meeting... Uh, people, because I was putting together this market, so I was going out to vendors and people within the community. Mm-hmm. So I very quickly got accepted by the people around me. I learned yeah. a lot. I was talking to people who were making whips, to dungeon furniture, yeah. to clothing.
0: So it evolved. And very this is naturally. over. Is this over like a five-year period? You know, it's about this? a year. A year. Yeah. Okay.
1: The clubs. The clubs are a great place to learn because you can watch people. You don't have to mm-hmm. get involved. I had another fortuitous moment in my career where the. The people who, who ran the club, I say ran in inverted commas, the admin girl who looked after opening the venue and whatever was going on holiday and they said, do you want to do a couple of weeks of you know, extra work mm. um, of managing this venue? And I'm a systems person, I'm, I'm a little bit OCD about how things are done mm. and because I'd had the corporate training as well, I completely rearranged the, <laughs> the whole of the systems and <laughs> all the paperwork um, and um, they were like, well, actually, we don't have a manager for the clubs, would you like to do that? So. I got the opportunity to manage a 700 person capacity venue then that closed down and because that closed down it left a Saturday night uh, opening where there wasn't a fetish club on there. Mm -hmm. I've been talking to some friends of mine and we decided to put a club together and again it just kind of like boom all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. I've launched a club, was a baptism of fire in many ways because venues at that point and it's still the same today. A lot of the venues don't want fetish clubs in there because of the sexual element to it, even if there isn't actually any sex going on in there. And I remember walking in, there's 400 people in this room and music going on and everything. And I was like, oh, I've done it, we've done it, we've done it. And that, that kind of scratched an itch in terms mm. of the organization of it and the marketing and it's very creative and the people. And so that kind of brought a lot of stuff together that I'd done in other, Parts of my life. I guess we're looking back at the book that you read,
0: the fact that you realized you didn't want to do the traditional way of, mm. of marriage, kids, etc. One visit to a club, and then you got, this is what I want to do. And you've been doing it now for 20 years yeah. now.
1: I mean, in terms of that. And, and, and has it
0: given you, like it pays presumably, like it's, it a, does. it's a career?
1: I mean, I'm not so focused on the financial side of it. Money, money cannot buy you happiness. Mm. The club stuff I do does not owe me money. The club that I run, Club Subversion, has been going for 15 years in November. Right. And I'm finishing that in November because the person who supplies my donut equipment and has done for the past 12 years, unfortunately, has terminal cancer. Right. And I said that I don't want to go f- forward with that if he's not involved. Okay. Because it's, the, it's, it's he's part of the, the make of the, the Family, club. yeah. But I'm going to continue running the London Fetish Weekend, which is about five or six different evening events and workshops and that sort of thing. The smorgasbord of fetish which um, London has to offer. I guess what you are is a personality within
0: this Mm. community. Yes. And you have your own business and you do other things and you... I got a Lifetime
1: Achievement Award about three years ago. I was devastated. I was (laughs) devastated. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) I
0: mean, last question. What would you say to the domineering young girl of 15 if you could go back and talk to her?
1: I wouldn't really want to interfere with the course that I took because even though some of it was difficult and devastating at the time. It, they were lessons that I learnt that then became so integral to who I am today.
0: What would she think of you? I think she'd
1: probably think, thank
0: fuck. Right. <laughs> you found something. Found
1: something. I mean, my parents were, were worried when I got made redundant and I to yeah. go and tell them what I was doing for a living but right. I wanted to tell them face to face and my yeah. brother was like, come on, come on, I've got to go to band rehearsal blah, blah. and I was like, "Ah, I wanted to have you all together and I said, okay, well I'm a House Doming uh, in Fetish Club, and I'm also doing this event that this, this market and all that sort of thing. My brother went, Thank God, mum and dad thought you were going to become an accountant or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I kind of think that kind of summarizes it up that, that it's not the best paid job in the world because I do it with integrity and I do it. I do fun, I get to do fun, really fun stuff and put together scenarios which are crazy and yeah. um, that I wouldn't do in a regular world. And there are different, there's so many different facets of it. There's the teaching. Hen nights, I do hen nights, and, uh, and then there's the performance stuff. I do crazy performances for friends of mine, events and mm. stuff. Through to the actual day-to-day doming side of things, and then putting together weekends of stuff and stuff like this, yeah. which um, kind of reminds me great. about the fun of it. But so there's there's all these different facets of it, which keep keep me out of trouble. I can't say sure that. I can't.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> it's been it was an amazing ride, and I, I I wish you every success. There'll be links to Mistress Absolute at the bottom of the podcast blurb. Look after everyone. Uh, mind I them. Up. I don't look after them really unless they enough. don't want to be minded.
1: Yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Thanks so, so much for round. being on a podcast. Thank you much. It's been really really fun.